Hey guys, welcome to Just Friends, the show where I, your host, Mitchell Embry, sit down and have meaningful conversations with my friends, and then I share those conversations with you, my friends. On this episode of the podcast, I'm joined by a very special guest. He was voted most likely to succeed in our high school yearbook, and I think you'll find that he's definitely most likely to succeed at warming our hearts. His name is Jacob Stratton. Jake is one of my favorite people to talk to, and I've known him for a very long time. And Before we get into this conversation, I should say that I say a few words in this episode of the podcast that might be viewed by some as inappropriate. They're remnants of patterns of thought that I used to subscribe to when I was 15, but have grown out of since then. But admittedly, I kind of fall back into some of those old patterns because I'm talking to an old friend. I hope that it doesn't negatively impact your listening experience because I really want you to enjoy this episode. So without further ado, I'd like to present to you guys, my friend, Jacob Stratton. I just, I feel like my ears get in the way. Of the headset? Yeah. No, not my, not hair. Does my oh, ears. your hair gets in the way. Yeah, it like, because then my hair ends up like... Sticking out like this. <laughs> well, nobody can see you. That's one of the nice things about this. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm just also trying to maintain like a little bit of eye contact because I'm like, I'm trying not to do this with my body. You do whatever you want to do with your body. That's one of my favorite things about you. Oh, that I constantly are moving or I'm just like a sack of potatoes. Yeah, that you're silly. You know that you're just goofy and you're very animated because you probably don't realize this. Because we've been friends for a super long time. But when I think back to high school, obviously we met in high school. And you were you looked way different then than you look now. You, you think I do? You had way less hair when I met you. Yeah, that's true. Because I, I didn't have this longer hair. I had a crew cut. And I don't know if I had... I don't think I had a beard at that time. Well, you had a very clear indication of stubble (laughs) it was like you looked like a 20 year old man in my freshman english class yeah and i immediately (laughs) was like i want to be like that guy because (laughs) no because you had on like a fucking red hot chili peppers band tee yeah and you were dating all the girls and i was like who is this fucking good dude who's living my life this is bullshit (laughs) But I'm, I'm certain that that doesn't feel like that to you. I'm sure when you were in high school, you're like, who the fuck am I even and what's going on? Yeah, on, honestly, I had a lot of that same how you were feeling in sixth grade. And I got in and I had like this terrible mustache mm-hmm. and I looked across the classroom uh, and I just see this guy and I'm like, holy shit, this dude has a full beard. In sixth and grade? Long, it, yeah, in sixth grade. Andrew Peak, if you're out there, I remember your beard. I remember your long hair. I heard it was beautiful, Andrew. It was crazy because I actually ran into him maybe like 10 years ago and he was doing some kind of like marathon running thing. And I was like, whoa, that guy has a magnificent beard. And I was like, that looks just like, and it was, it was Andrew and I haven't talked to him since. So I'm sure the next time I see him, he's going to be like Gandalf or something. I hope so. The only other person I know whose beard is as prolific as yours is Mike Higdon. Oh, yeah. No, his is way better than mine. His is, gr- his is great. His I'm is super envious. Well, I think you could, you could reach a level of, of, of beauty, and, and, and you could have as equally as an immaculate beard if you were to have the opportunity to do it. Yeah, that's true. But your job kind of... Yeah, I'm a little limited by work. Um, you know, I just got to make sure that the under growth the underbrushes trimmed up but there's a guy i saw at work the other day and his beard was pretty amazing and he works like in marketing he's not just like working on the line or doing something where he's not in like the public view for you know all the higher ups like this guy goes into meetings and he just strokes his beard and he's like this is my idea and everyone's like that is a great idea well, this is a, a theory that I have on that because a lot of people have long flowing beards that they don't maintain. And if you don't maintain them, they do not look professional. However, 
if you are the type of person who can maintain a long flowing beard and keep it in a presentable um, way, so you just you manicure it to a level that you could then take it into an office space, it almost says this person is put together enough to have a daily beard regimen. Yeah, like that person, like, yeah, you're right. You would definitely have to go in and you'd have to say, all right, I do this. Every day they look at that person, they say, that person's committed to something. Yes. They're able to do stuff. I mean, it's not that other, some people can't grow beards and it's a sad world for those people. Actually, the last time I shaved my beard off, I could just feel that there was like air I mean, I know it's kind of stupid. Of course, there's air around your face. But I had not felt the presence of air on my physical face in so long. It was just like a foreign thing to me. So, yeah, I mean, I I think you're right. There's definitely like a level of that person has to be very, it's like organized, meticulous. Like they are doing things. They're committed to a certain type of like lifestyle they're committed to a certain way of doing things that is definitely beneficial for like a professional world so yeah no no i can get down with that so we 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 met in high school in english class do you remember the teacher's name yeah mr chapman mr chapman and he would have on the wall he had this little sign i think it was just like maybe it was just taped there and it's like place forehead here which is kind of just like a jokey ha 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 until you know, he busts out in like a huge rage and headbutts the wall. And you're like, oh my God, what is going on? He would bite his, remember he'd bite between his he'd thumb his and th- his like finger? The, his little fleshy piece between yeah. his thumb and his finger, yeah. As a teacher, I don't know how the fuck that guy kept a job. <laughs> it is a definite testimony to how desperate we are for people who will sit in a classroom with asshole kids for a whole day. Oh my God. And now, now you're bringing back the memories. I I remember one time, uh, I think he, I don't know if he was berating us or what, but he was just like, you know what? You kids, you're not even prepared to be in the real world. You know, do you even know what the ACT is? Who in here is taking the ACT? So it's like a freshman level honors class. I mean, I don't know how it is today, but maybe not a whole lot of students. At, would, at the school that I work at, none. Yeah, or any would have taken it at that point. I don't. I know you've taken it at least once or twice. I think at that point I had taken it like two or three times, and he was like, oh, <laughs> kind of just shocked that. Well, we were in advanced classes. So your mom was a teacher, so she of course she had you doing that stuff, and I had to take tests like that all the time. So... Like they, when they when I was in eighth grade, they picked a bunch of advanced program kids. and was like, you should take the ACT. So yeah. I just taken it. Well, they did that too at our middle school, but they were like, I think it was maybe the SAT. It was some kind of Duke prep thing. I did not get picked. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know Casey did. And I think Ryan did too. And my mom was like, well, you know, you should still do it and kind of push that. And, and you know, I'm glad she did. But yeah, I remember him saying like, oh, you guys have taken it. Well, you know, what did you guys get? <laughs> and he was like, "I." the problem was he had said that he had got like a 21, which is not a bad score. Which is what I got the first time I took right? the ACT. And I think we, we all were kind of like, yeah, we got like 21s, 22s, 23s. And he was just like, silence. <laughs> he was like, okay. <laughs> Uh, well, good job. And he just tried to like <laughs> scoot it under the rug. Well, this is one thing that I've learned as now having the same job as he has. When you're yelling at kids because they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, it's probably because you have not been doing what you're supposed to be doing. You haven't created an environment where kids can be successful. Now, that being said, there are definitely situations where you as a teacher put in a lot of effort into something and then it falls apart in your face because your kids are just not trying at all. And that's really frustrating, but that is not a quality (laughs) that I remember about Mr. Chapman. I remember him sitting behind his desk a lot of the time. I I can't say that I I know why I was in that class. I think it might've just been there wasn't another advanced program teacher 
and we just kind of got yeah you said you actively chose oh i actively chose honors i don't think i did i definitely actively chose honors math so that was a really interesting situation for me as i was going through high school because i was in advanced program math as an eighth grader so i took algebra one as an eighth grader but i didn't want to take advanced geometry as a freshman so they put me in honors geometry as a freshman with a bunch of sophomores and I was not an adv- an advanced freshman. I came in very sheltered, very shy, very nerdy. And I sat behind this girl and she was the sluttiest. She used to just tell these stories to this kid who used to sit next to her. God, it would fucking, I'd have boners in the middle of the class. <laughs> but I'd be so uncomfortable because I was like, oh my God, who is this? Who is this person who's just like doing these adult things? I'm a child. Yeah. But that that is, it's interesting but that's that's defining of my high school experience. I, I'll never forget sitting behind this girl. I can't remember her name because I didn't care enough about her to figure it out. Yeah. But <laughs> I thought she was hot, and man, she enjoyed sexual activity as a young girl. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's, isn't it funny that there are like all these stories that, you know, you just, I don't know, like they, in the long term, really don't have like a, huge impact you wouldn't say this was like crucial to some part in my life but you just remember them in just crazy detail i will never forget the first day of sixth grade Mm -hmm. so this was the same week that i met casey and so i went and got on the bus it was my mom taught at greenwood elementary so i had never ridden a bus before so i i get on the bus my mom said this is your bus it's 9907. The only reason I remember that is because that was the same number as my house growing up. So I was like, 9907. Cool. Very easy. Get on there. I fall asleep. The bus driver wakes me up. We're at a depot. I didn't know I needed to transfer. <laughs> and you're wasting your mom didn't tell you you had to transfer. No, no, I had to go like to Jacob elementary depot and then transfer. Cause where we were, I went to no middle school and that's far. I mean, just even driving in a car, it's like th- at least 30 minutes. Yeah. So, yeah. So I get in there. She wakes me up and she goes, hey, you need to go to another bus. Where, you, where are you going? And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to no middle school. And she said, you can either get on 9543 or, and I don't even think she got through the word or, and I was off the bus. <laughs> <laughs> and at this point, cause she had kind of found me like after, of course, everyone cleared out. It's an empty depot. There's no other kids transferring between their buses. It's just me. And we have two rows. One's facing like North and the other's facing South. I was in the very last car on the facing North side. And I had to walk through Every single one. I'm just looking at all these buses. All these kids watching you? Kids watching me, and I'm terrified. And, of course, I didn't know this because it was my first time riding a bus and first time whatever, but but the two buses, they both dropped off at Manual High School. And so I 9543 was the de facto Manual High School kid bus. Okay. And 9546 was the no middle school bus. So I get on 9443, all the seats are packed. They're all at least three to four years older than me. And I'm pretty sure most of them are seniors. And I just, I mean, I panicked. Of course they weren't. At the oldest, they're probably sophomores. Yeah, but there's, yeah, they were still like four year older than me. They've got hair on their bodies and shit. (laughs) Like you're there. So wait a second, let me ask you this. Um, do you think you remember that because it was a moment where you really had to just like take ownership of your future and you didn't have a choice. You could just like either break down and cry and be a little bitch or you could just be like, I'm fucking going to get to school, man. I'm not prepared, but I'm going to figure this out on my own. And then when you did, how'd you feel about yourself? Oh God, I felt terrible. (laughs) I knew as soon as I got to school that I was going to find out the other bus and get on that bus going home. So I didn't have to see those people. Um, I actually <laughs> got on there and, you know, you just start like walking and just hope, like, just really hope that anyone's going to be kind enough to say something to you and say, seat, child, you're clearly lost. It's like, Oh, here, you can sit here. 
No, no one said that. I got halfway through the bus and I was like, I'm not making it to the back of this damn bus before. I get raped back there. Yeah, so I just literally pretty much sat on top of this poor girl and like forced her to move over. That's hilarious. And there if there was already two like two people in that <laughs> So it wasn't like she was intentionally uh-huh. trying to box me out. That wasn't even the worst part. I got off the bus and I was like, well, that nightmare was over. And I walk in my zipper. I don't know what kind of backpack this was. Jansport something. But it just, my like zippers ripped open. And I had all this loose leaf paper that just started blowing <laughs> everywhere. And I was just like frantically <laughs> trying to pick all this paper up. And it's just like the wind picked up. Oh, God. It was terrible. <laughs> and I was just like looking around for anyone to help. And I was just like, yeah, first day at middle school. That's so funny. Well, let me give you a different perspective on that whole story because if that had been me as a sixth grader, I would have immediately started crying on that bus with that bus driver and she would have had to solve my problem for me because I was not capable of handling that. So that should just give you a testament of like how capable of a sixth grader that you were because I would have cried <laughs> like a little little bitch. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's like, I'm just going to do a thing mm-hmm. and I really hope that it works. You want to know what that experience was for me? What? When I was, and this is much more traumatic. And so I don't mean to try to one up you, but it's just <laughs> this, this, this is the, I feel like I came to that space in my life. Um, honestly, I was probably about the same age. I was in probably 12 and my parents had just bought this this piece of property that they still own in Edmondson County that my dad deer hunts on and stuff like that. And uh, he was he and my uncle were really excited about it. They wanted to go walk around on it. They had had it surveyed, and they knew that there were uh, different landmarks, like a waterfall, and they wanted to go find those things. And so they took me, a 12-year-old, back in the woods with them, and they were just kind of walking around. They didn't really have a plan for how they were going to get there. They just had this basically surveyed map and there weren't really pre-established trails or anything like that. And so the obvious choice is to walk straight towards the thing you want to find and see if there's any way to get there that way. Well, that was not, we weren't going to get there that way. There were cliffs, um, but it was a long time before we figured that out. We had traversed some pretty challenging terrain. I was young. I was unprepared. I didn't have the right shoes or anything like that. So do you have like flip flops on, like a puka shell necklace <laughs> with like I Heart New York T-shirt? Honestly, I don't know what I was wearing, but about three hours into this, I was like, "I'm not, I'm not about this. I don't want to do this anymore." And I, at that point, my dad and uncle were like, "We're doing this all day. We'll be here until we find this thing, or until the sun goes down." And that's just where their heads were. And they weren't concerned about me not, not being gay. (laughs) So my dad's just like, here, we're going to put you, you sit here on this rock in the middle of these woods, (laughs) 101 acres of wood with no context to where you are and where like civilization is. And don't you move from this spot until we get back. (laughs) That's like the start to like every scary movie ever. Yes. Stay here. Don't move. We'll be back. And then they get murdered. How long are you going to be gone? We don't know an hour. I had no idea how long an hour was. When I think back to how long I sat on that rock before I started to despair, it feels like days. How long was it really? It could have been five minutes. It, (laughs) It could have been five minutes after... I lost sight of my dad and uncle. I realized I'd made a huge mistake and I started to panic. I have no idea how long it actually was. But the conclusion of this story, after a lot of really terrified thoughts and telling myself I'm going to die, like uh, my my uncle and my dad are are dead now. Because, I mean, honestly, it probably was about an hour. Um, I got up off of that rock and I opened up my little pocket knife, and I chose a direction that felt right, and I started walking, and then I ran back. And I did that about three times, and on the third time, I had gotten so far away from the rock that I was originally sitting on that I couldn't find it again. And so I just committed, and I just kept walking in a direction, and thank God, 
the after what felt like forever, I was crying. I was praying. I was like, God save me, please, because I'm going to die otherwise. <laughs> I walked out into a field, and my dad's truck was in the middle of it. Yeah. It was crazy. Bingo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got in. I called my mom. She was like, your father did what? <laughs> and uh, that's why my dad hates me. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. Your dad's eternally in the doghouse because of that. But that is, that's interesting because I, I, feel, I feel like everybody probably has those experiences, those like having to take ownership of your future experiences. You're like, this is it. This is the thing that I've got to do. Mm-hmm. And I've got to do it now and nobody else is going to be here to help me. And then, yeah, like there's definitely a lot of growth the first time you have to do that. Yeah. And then it becomes easier and you're like, oh, okay. Well, I, I did this. Mm-hmm. That was terrible. Yeah. It's not as bad as this. Hey guys, we'll get back to Just Friends in just a second. But first, are there any inspiring musicians out there? You guys might not know this about me, but I've been an aspiring musician since I was 16 years old. And besides talent, the only thing I was really missing was access to professional quality sound equipment and the knowledge of how to use it. If only Black Smoke Studios would have existed back then, my dreams of being a rock star could have come true. But it isn't too late for you. Black Smoke Studios is a professional recording studio located here in the south end of Louisville, and it's owned and operated by my good friend Jeff Baxter. I've played music with Jeff for years, and let me tell you, he's a talented son of a bitch. He plays every instrument I play except better, and on top of that, he is a very knowledgeable sound engineer. If you write music or just play an instrument, Jeff at Black Smoke Studios has everything you need to create a professional quality audio recording in his basement. It's amazing. He has a vocal booth and all these fancy microphones. I sang karaoke there at his birthday party last year and I felt like Adele. It was amazing. But that isn't all because Black Smoke Studios does music production. So if you play guitar, but you dream of your song with a drum track or keys, Black Smoke Studios can make that dream a reality. Guys with the internet these days, all it takes is the creation of something really good and a couple of shares. And you could be the next Lil Nas X. You could you could be the next Sturgill Simpson. Black Smoke Studios can help you make something great. Check out blacksmokestudios.com and get started today. Everything you need is right there. It's blacksmokestudios.com. Everything you need to create a professional quality music production all in one basement. That's blacksmokestudios.com. Blacksmokestudios.com. All right, guys. Uh, if you're ready, let's get back to the show. And that's something that I remember about you because part of the reason why I say that I looked up to you, I guess, or maybe, um, yeah, looked up to you is the right thing to say is because you seemed at least to me, like you kind of had it figured out. You did really well in school. You got good grades. You had the discipline to focus on your schoolwork, but you also had a really good time and you were fun and stuff like that. And I, on the other hand, always felt like a huge hot mess, um, and in my mind, I would like to say it was because my home life was all kinds of craziness, but that's not really fair because yours also was pretty tumultuous at times. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty wild. Um, yeah. But then again, I mean, so probably the earliest memory of like really needing to grow up is I just really remember... Like when my parents first split, I was like, okay, like this is it. Like I, I'm the man of the house, quote unquote. And I was like seven or eight. Like, you're just like, okay, well, like I just need to do things and, you know, I I need to be, start being more responsible. And, you know, I mean, my, my parents did ultimately come back together for a little bit to try to make it work, but obviously it didn't last. So I think at that point I was already at like eight, nine, 10, I was like understood. Okay. I need to take some responsibility. I need to focus, you know, focus on school or focus on whatever I need to do. So yeah, while it was still very tumultuous in kind of my life at that time. And I feel like everyone feels like, Oh, this person's got it together. 
really they don't have it together. They may just be better at hiding it. Mm -hmm. I think that was definitely the case for me is like, I was just good at hiding it away. Like I wanted to have a good time because maybe I wasn't having a great time at home or I wasn't having, you know, I was going through stuff and that was my way of kind of getting through it was I would just say, Oh, well, if I can be with my friends, if I can, you know, have a good time, that's how I'm, that's how I'm going to combat either like negative feelings or like what else is going, whatever else is going in my life to give me stability. That makes a lot of sense. It's just like keeping the balance. Mm -hmm. Cause I will say growing up, I guess maybe freshman and sophomore year, I had no idea that anything like that was going on in your life. And I had, I guess maybe it was senior year of high school, but probably not even then. It was probably when your dad was living over off of Iron Horse that I really saw the true extent of like his challenges with alcohol Mm -hmm. because that was my thing. Growing up, my dad was an alcoholic. He was always very depressed. Um, Well, he would go through, he was manic depressive. So sometimes he'd be manic where he was trying to fix everything in the house. And then that would last for about two weeks and then he'd get depressed and nothing would ever be done. And he'd be suicidal and then he would drink. And he was also abusive to my mom. But my parents stayed together. And I thought, I'm the only person around me who's having this experience. Nobody else is dealing with any of this stuff. And I thought of it as kind of like a, I'm broken because of these experiences that I'm having. And that's why I'm not having success at school. Uh, That's why I don't get good grades like my friends. That's why I have trouble making, um, or at least feeling cool. And my friends seem like they're cool. And so as I was as I was dealing with all of that, I was high school was hard for me. I was not good at it. <laughs> <clears throat> Do you feel like you were crappy at it too? Uh, yeah, there are definitely <laughs> a lot of elements where I was like, I think I heard you talking to this about, uh, or talking to Chris about this was, you know, like being in like the cool, the cool group. Like I never really felt that our group was like the cool group, but I definitely don't think we were like, I don't want to misrepresent it as like we were these low life kids and we were just struggling through. It was like, like we were, we had like tangential friendships with them. Like we could hang out with them and they would enjoy our company. They just also had a really core group of friends, which were all like essentially the popular kids. It, it seemed a little bit more elevated in status than our group yeah. of friends. But you're right. We did intermingle. And that was a nice thing about our high school was it wasn't super clicky. And, you know, I bet if I had like some of those people that we're talking about, like who are super popular kids, if I had Nick Reynolds, yeah. if I had uh, Tim, Tim Higdon, yeah. Um, if I had, Brittany Nally. Who are some of the girls? I don't know. Michelle Johnson. Yeah. But she kind of... She did hang out with, with us, us for lot, a little yeah. bit. So, yeah. I bet you they would think differently about us because we were definitely not the popular kids, but it also allowed us to be a little bit more who we were. Yeah. Because we didn't have the pressure right. of other people's... We were already like you said, like tangential. We were already kind of broken off from the popular crowd. So if we were doing things that weren't traditionally cool, it was kind of expected. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I think that's, honestly, it was a great place for us to be because you're right, there was no pressure for us to, you know, have the you know this elite status or anything like that. It was just us hanging out and it did free us up to be really who who we were at that time. You know, because high school, hell, freshman year to senior year, you know, they always have that superlative, like, most change. I mean, everyone changes so much. There's hardly a single person where you go, that person was the same person as when they left high school. And even when you get into college, when you enter college and when you leave college, same thing. Um, Maybe even more so. But it's just, yeah, it was, to me, a little, yeah, freeing, I think. Yeah, I was... 
our friend group allowed me to kind of be who I was and there wasn't any, you know, need for us to try to be someone we weren't. But I wanted to be, I wanted to be cool only because I wanted to get laid. I wasn't getting laid <laughs> and cool kids were, and that yeah. was pissing me off. It's, I mean, yeah, it's, and it's funny. Cause like you talk about it now, it's like such a, like high school things like that was the thing I want to be cool because of this thing that like, of course, like doesn't matter. It matters the world when it's happening. Mm -hmm. You know, now our biology is like make babies and it starts for guys when we're like 16, 17 years old and it was, or, or like 11 or 12, maybe yeah, a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) And it's just like it and it's all consuming it, sometimes like you just your desire like when i think back to high school everything i was doing every decision i was making was i'm trying to get female attention yeah no i, I mean Isn't that I, weird I, yeah no i mean i i feel like that's a very at least for, for like guys that's like a very common experience oh, yeah i that i don't that's not what i mean by when i when I say weird, yeah, you're right. It's very usual. It's not unusual. Yeah, like every decision is driven by our hormones, and we're just like, I've got to do this mm-hmm. because this little thing in my head's telling me to do it. And I don't feel like I escaped. The, I'm not sure if I have escaped it at all fully yet. I we just got done talking about how I think we live in a simulation, and how every single decision that we make is, I wouldn't say predetermined, but is deterministic on our previous experiences and the mm, algorithms yeah. that we're currently running in our yeah. brains. Yeah. I mean, um, and that, and I think they kind of say that like, you know, like as you get older, there's like a reason that those people are kind of like stuck in their ways. Mm-hmm. Okay. You have somebody who let's say in high school has 15 years of data and that's all they know. And all their experiences are constantly changing and they're getting, you know, they've got hormones and stuff. It's like, well, if you're 70 years old, like you have a lot more information to pull from things. Don't really kind of shock you anymore. You're like, I've, I've seen this. Yeah. But even at a 70 year old, you're right. You have a lot more data and you can make decisions based upon that data, but you're still running the best algorithms that you've learned up to that point and there's something very special about a person who is fully self-actualized to the point where they realize i actually get to choose what my algorithms are going to be what my experiences are going to be and to some extent i have control over that and so I'm actively going to try to seek out positive experiences. I'm actually, I'm actively going to try to seek out personal growth as opposed to just going along with the flow. And you're a person who I feel like does that. You're reading a lot. We just talked about Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. Do, when do you feel like that happened? Did, did it happen while you were in high school or was it later? Yeah. I mean, I think it was a lot slower later and it's really just like an outgrowth of i like variety i don't like doing the same thing all the time i hate it if i had to do the same thing you know like if my job was something that was that didn't change and i knew i had to do that for like 30 years like i would absolutely hate it i would dread going to work in every you know going to work in every single day because i just naturally i get in these moods and you can ask Caitlin this I get in these moods where I'm like really hyper focused hyper passionate about doing something new like what's an experience I haven't had I I see it a lot with like the movies I watch so there are a lot of it seems like it's me just being like oh I don't like mainstream movies but it's really like yeah I'm not gonna get any more information yeah there are mainstream movies I really really like and I can usually pick those out but I like to watch movies that are obscure that are going to get me like a weird new point of view and say, wow, okay. Yeah. I didn't even think of it that way. Maybe I can apply that to my own life. So yeah. And it happened, I think a lot in, in high school. Like I had a lot of freedom. I feel like in high school, because like you, you talked about earlier, like I would come home and I would do my homework 
and you know it might be a tuesday night and we all get together and hang out in my dad's basement or you know it could be most of the time it's the weekend but you know i had the freedom and the time to kind of explore those things within myself so is that why you feel maybe like you were attracted to kind of more taboo like websites and stuff like that you were exploring yeah yeah well and it was honestly some of it was just like shock like i wanted to be shocked i wanted to feel something Mm. so it was like i had already kind of walled maybe walled myself off to where i didn't think oh i'm gonna have any type of like extreme feeling or or any kind of feeling at all and i would do these things that you know were shocking or you know looking stuff up on LimeWire, oh, where, yeah. <laughs> where it's like hey guys come look at this and you're like that's disgusting i know it's disgusting but you're getting a reaction and you're getting like so you know you're stimulating an impulse in your brain i wish that i had been at a place at that time in my life to talk to you about that in a meaningful way but i wasn't there in high school i was pretty much totally on autopilot I was doing everything that my genes were just screaming at me to do. So I wasn't just ready for that in high school. I don't feel like I got ready to think that way about myself until I was in my mid to late 20s. Ready to really see, okay, I can just take ownership of this. If I, I, I'm 27, I don't have a fucking college degree yet. I'm just going to go get one. I'm going to stop making excuses. I'm just going to go do it. And that was really transformative in who I am as a person because now all of a sudden things seem within my reach. Whereas before they just seemed like unattainable dreams. And so I wouldn't even try. Yeah. And I definitely think like you and I are pretty similar in, in the fact that we kind of crave or need control or we like to have control over certain things. I know I'm, it's not always in the best way, but like, I'm always like, I'm like that at my house. Like there are just things like I, I want like done a certain way or I like to do it a certain way. And like I said, it's probably not the (laughs) the best way or the healthiest way to, to do that. But yeah, the more control you have over your life. So like when you're starting to make decisions that affect your future and it's entirely reliant upon you, like I feel like that, that itself is a little freeing, especially when you're working towards things that gain you more freedom. That's what I feel like a lot of people go through is like they don't have they don't feel that they have the freedom to do anything. Um, there was I think it was some kind of joke where this guy was like, "Oh, I was just feeling bad, so I got on this plane and you know I went to whatever Dubai, and then I'm just going to come back whenever." And then there was another guy who was like, yeah, when I feel terrible, I just go back to sleep. And then there was a third guy who was like, yeah, I can't even afford to do that. There are people and a lot of people who, I mean, if, if you need something for your like mental health, people need to be able to like take that time. And people sometimes just don't have that time. And the more, like, that's why I find I constantly am doing things to increase my own freedom. Hey guys, we'll get back to just friends here in just a second. But first I want to take this opportunity to introduce to you a great new service that I've just been introduced to. You've probably noticed all of the changes that have been happening recently over here at just friends. Many of those changes are a direct result of the consultations I've been doing with GetToTheVan.com. GetToTheVan.com is a digital marketing company whose philosophy is strategy. If you have a small business but haven't had success marketing on social media, you need GetToTheVan.com. If you want to create a website for your product or you have one and just wish you could be a little bit better, you need GetToTheVan.com. The guys and gals over at GetToTheVan.com are experts at social media marketing, graphic design, and web design. And they have all the knowledge you will need to create for you a strategically and beautifully designed website with custom graphics and logo that will take your small business to the next level. If you have problems with creativity and marketing ideas, logos, or website ideas, GetToTheVan.com has the solution. Any idea, any product, 
any service, whatever your message, gettothevan.com can help you spread that message. My interactions with gettothevan.com have been only positive. They have a lot of really great knowledge and they can help you just like they've helped me. So if you haven't already, reach out to gettothevan.com. That's gettothevan.com and they can help you take your small business to that next level. They can help you promote yourself on social media. The next thing you know, you'll have a brand new beautiful website and uh, you won't even believe how easy it is to do. So so check out gettothevan.com. I know you'll have a great experience there. I did. It was wonderful. Gettothevan.com. Build something amazing with GetToTheVan.com, your small business and website design solution. All right, guys, and uh, that's it for this message. Let's get back to the show. You were, we were talking about freedom, and you just said you had people blowing you up from work. Yeah. And part of the thing that you said that is kind of a signal of people being free is being able to practice self-care you said your job is always telling you you know practice self-care but then they create environments where you have to choose between self-care and work and they expect you to choose work. yeah i think yeah and i feel like it's it's a lot of like implication right like hey like we need to get this done like it's just like one part of your day like for me it's hard to like get on to something and then switch it off yeah. So I'm like, I'll just, you know, you ask Kaylin, I'll just do this one email. Mm-hmm. And then it's like six or seven emails. I see that I'm like, yeah, these probably need attention now. So you're, not, so you're in email mode. Yeah. You ought to see me when I'm in podcast mode. Sarah will come home from work on days that she's working. So she'll work till like seven o'clock and I'll have been editing for two hours. I can't stop. I need to stop and check in with my wife, but yeah. I'm hyper-focused. Yeah. To, to kind of bring it back to self-care, it, I took last Friday off. I was, I was in a dark place at work. I was struggling, and I was sick. I was just feeling nauseous. I wasn't feeling good. I was tired. I wasn't getting good sleep. And fourth period rolled around on Thursday. I'm not a huge fan of my fourth period class. I decided... And also it's a Thursday, so I'm in there with them for a hundred minutes because we have app days. And I was going to be with them for an hour and a half and they were being awful. And I spent about 30 minutes of that class just telling them how they were awful. Like, (laughs) guys, you don't focus on anything. You don't get anything done. The work that you produce looks like a five-year-old made it. How do you ever expect to market yourself to people? How do you ever expect to get jobs? I know sixth graders who I would hire to do this work before I would hire you. How do you expect? But it wasn't coming from a place where I was loving them. It wasn't coming from a place where I was caring about them. It was coming from a place where I was frustrated and I handled that I, I handled that situation poorly, and I realized it as I was doing it, and so I decided I'm taking tomorrow. Yeah, I do. I get in, into some of those same modes I see with like my own kids, where it's like I'm frustrated by something that's either going on at work or in my life, and it's like I've got to I've got to reset myself. Now, maybe I don't take a day of work off or um, maybe I set a, some side aside sometime where I was going to do work and just work on, you know, that piece of like, how do I manage my stress? How do I, you know, do something that's going to benefit me so that later on I'm not frustrated by like a small thing that, you know, whatever Elias does or Micah does. And it's like, yeah, it, you really... we really got to focus on self-care pulling things back in and being able to evaluate yourself almost not in the moment but at least pretty close after you're like yep that wasn't right i I handled that poorly i knew as soon as the class was over that i was like i'm gonna have to apologize to them on monday but the question is hearing you say that do you when you're doing it do you feel guilty about taking the time away Focus on yourself. I I used to. 
I used to, and then I have been kind of in this, um, I don't know if it's a mood or like a changing the way I'm thinking about things. Like I am giving a lot to the company in order for me to be my best. Like I have to take care of myself sometimes. And like I said earlier, um, you know, yeah, there's times where I feel like I essentially don't have a choice, even though I'm being given a choice, I don't have a choice. Um, or I'm actively choosing to, do work when I maybe shouldn't or should be doing something else. But they also do work with me in terms of like, I have flexible work arrangement and I work like 10, 12 hour days, Monday through Thursday. And I'm able to be home on Fridays with my kids and take Elias to school and be with him and Micah during the day and, uh, you know, take Elias to his appointments. So it's like, that to me balances itself out a little bit, even if it does cause me a little bit more stress. I appreciate you saying that because you give me hope because I still feel really guilty about it and I need to get into a place where I don't. And you know what I think is helpful? People being advocates when someone's making a decision because people have an e- people will sit there and they will continue to do what you're doing and feel guilty about taking care of themselves no you need to take the time i know you know if someone's like you know super lazy and never does anything like i would not advocate for that but pretty much everyone i know works way more than they we probably should and when they are like man i really wish i could i'm like do it do it because you need to take care of yourself and that's really Whenever I get in a situation now, I'm always have to think about like how you know how did I feel, what what would have helped me, and when uh, when I see someone when you see someone else do something, it makes it a lot easier. And so if I can advocate for someone mm-hmm. and tell them, no, you're doing the right decision, I back you up and I'll support you, it makes it a lot easier on them, and they don't have to take the guilt. Man, it makes me so proud to talk to my friends and hear them say wise things and just be like, and also to hear you talk about like advocating for people. When I talk to my students, I'm telling them all the time, like you want to try to be the type of person that other people can count on. Like that's what you, that's the ultimate goal is like, just be the type of person that has their shit together enough that when other people are like, hey, can you do this for me? You can be like, yeah, I got you. That's not going to mean your life's easy, but that's what you want to try to get. And it makes me happy to hear that my friends get to experience the joy that comes from getting to help other people be better. Yeah, and I I think, I mean, that's the way like a lot of our friends are. So I know that I've got at least five or 10 friends I could call if I, if I really needed them. And most, most of our friends know if, if we're calling, like it's because we, we need them. Like, we're not going to call to say, Oh, you know, can you help me? Or, you know, do you just want to do this small thing? It's usually something kind of big or, Hey, I need help moving, whatever. Like we all, we have a, a good set of friends and, I know that no matter kind of what situation I'm in, if I'm in, not in a good situation, I'll at least have that support. Yeah. You know why? Because we love you. <laughs> and I love my friends. And yeah. even when they're like, hey, can you help me move? I'm like, that sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, you mean I get to go hang out with my friends? <laughs> yeah. And like do, I mean, you're doing a little bit of work, but like, yeah. the, you know. We're, we're going to have a good time while we're moving. It's easy to forget sometimes. Like right now I'm feeling kind of overwhelmed a little bit with just appreciating the relationships in my life that I do have. Cause a lot of times, cause that's what this podcast is to me. I don't know if I've really articulated that well, because I'm taking a more professional approach to it just cause it, like I said to you earlier, it is practice. But what it really is, is I'm trying to create an environment 
where my friends can have authentic experiences with each other in a world where I'm, I'm aware that like most of the time they're going to be working. Most of the time they're going to be with their children and with their wives. And I don't have kids is a conscious choice. And what am I going to do with that time that I'm afforded? I'm going to invest it back into my community what's the best thing that I feel like I can be doing and providing for the people whom I love the most? A chance for them to interact when they don't have that chance to interact. I want you to be able to listen to Casey's podcast and laugh and feel like you were hanging out with him and enjoy that time and to feel closer to him and to understand him better and to appreciate him more and to love him more because you got a little glimpse into who he is and we don't get to see those glimpses into each other enough. Yeah, and I feel like we all have like... We have big, sometimes we have big conversations with groups, but then a lot of times we'll get, it's not like the same pockets, but we'll get in like either like a one-on-one or, you know, it's just like a small group and we'll have kind of like these conversations that we're, you know, we're having on the podcast and, you know, it'd be great if some other person that wasn't in that group who wasn't able to be there could, could be a part of it. Yeah. And I'm also trying to create, spaces where people can comment so guys comment you're listening to this go to the facebook page and tell us how full of shit we are (laughs) and and interact with us because i want you guys to be a part of this i want you to feel like you're here with us and i'm conscious that you're there listening so participate it's part of the fun well you know we've been talking for a couple of hours now you want to go ahead and just wrap this up yeah, all right, man. I'll uh, head out. I really appreciate you uh, having me on the podcast and being able to talk about our friendship. So People are going to think I told you to say that. <laughs> no, that was totally from my own mouth. <laughs> all right, man. I'll talk to you later. All right. Love you, dude. Love you, too. Bye. All right, guys. So that's the podcast. Uh, Jake is so silly and he's such a good storyteller. And it was really such a privilege to have the chance to sit down and talk to him today. And I want to have that privilege to sit down and talk to you. If you are listening to this podcast, you are close enough to me that I would love to sit down and have a conversation with you. I don't care if we haven't talked in 10 years. It'd be really, really great to just sit down and catch up. We'd have way more to talk about. We've got a lot more stuff to catch up on. So I don't care who you are. If you're listening to this podcast and you want to sit down and have a conversation with me, please reach out. Facebook, text message, doesn't matter. I'm having a blast making these podcasts and I want to share that positive experience with you. So I hope you guys enjoyed listening to the show and I love you. Bye.